In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. The more I wrote and the more I, I read it back, I realized how you know important fishing is to me, and it's important to have that balance. Especially when you go through you know rough times mentally. I think fishing is so good for your head. Like, like I say in the book, there's a fishing's like meditation, but with a punchline. You know, in other words, I mean, I could sit by a river. Uh, a lake or I can wait flats all day and I'm, I only think about fishing you know you don't think about anything else it really it really uh, washes your mind you know and gets you ready to face you know the real world and what you've got to um, you know your work and stuff and you know obviously being in the band especially in the 80s was you know quite a high pressure uh, environment so I really found uh, increasingly that the fishing was a great way to to balance myself out. What's going on, everybody? Today's a big day. We've got a big, big guest, maybe the biggest guest we've ever had on the podcast. And some would say that particular guest, what in the world do they have to do with fishing? The guest is Adrian Smith, the guitarist for Iron Maiden. Yeah, Iron Maiden, the rock band, the heavy metal band, Iron Maiden, one of the biggest bands in the history of the world. Turns out Adrian Smith is quite a fisherman. He is a legit fisherman. He's fished all over the world. He fished before Iron Maiden, then Iron Maiden kind of, then he kind of lost interest in fishing a little bit. And then funny, ironically, Iron Maiden kind of, uh, rekindled his love affair with fishing. And as they were traveling all over the world, um, both in in cars, buses, vans, and if you know the story of Iron Maiden, they had a, they had a giant um, jet as well that they went all around the world. And on all of those various types of, uh, of transportation, Adrian always had his rods and reels um, with him. So in case there was any time 
that he could sneak away and go fishing, um, he would. He's done it all over the world. He's done it in the United States. He's, he, there's stories of him fishing in Miami by himself. Um, and it's interesting. He doesn't always take a guide. He likes to go out there and kind of DIY it. And um, it's just just kind of strange and crazy that one of the biggest musical stars in the history of the world would be just out there on a riverbank by himself, just fishing because he loves it. And I also got to think that it was, you know, Iron Maiden in the eighties. Wow. That would be, that would be unbelievable. That that would be a, a life that I don't think that anyone that outside of somebody that has experienced something like that could truly understand how crazy and wild that time was. So I'm sure that fishing offered him, um, some sort of balance in his life. I'm going to talk to him about that, hopefully. Um, and um, anyway, he wrote this book recently, Monsters of River and Rock, My Life as Iron Maiden's Compulsive Angler by Adrian Smith. And in this book, he's got stories of him fishing with his dad. That's how it started for him. He has all kinds of pictures in here, in here of, uh, of him as a young angler. Then, as we said, he kind of lost track of of fishing for a while as he got interested in in music and uh, being part of different bands. And uh, then he kind of got back into fishing. Here's here's one of him. Uh, he's in Central Park, New York, fishing right there because they had a concert there. Um, traveled all over the world, and I just thought it was so cool that that he was doing this. I mean, really, one of the biggest rock bands of all time. And uh, here he is taking his time off the stage to go fishing. And so I really wanted to talk to him about that as I found out that he was uh, ha- releasing this book all about fishing. Um, I thought, you know, maybe I'll take a chance and reach out and see if I can get anyone. Turns out, look, there he is with a bonefish, a really good bonefish in uh, Turks and Caicos. Um and there he is as the guitarist of Iron Maiden. I don't know if you can see that, but uh, very iconic, iconic images of him. Um, and if you're, a, if you're an Iron Maiden fan, I think you're going to like this book because you're going to see that Adrian had a life outside of, outside of Iron Maiden where he was doing something completely different, something quiet, something completely different, and that was fishing. If you're a fisherman and you know of Iron Maiden, um, which, of course, pretty much everyone would. I mean, Iron Maiden, seriously, one of the biggest rock bands of all time, heavy metal bands. And uh, um, if you're a fan of music at all, if you're just even aware of music and you're a fisherman, you're going to like this book too, because it it turns out that about 70% of this book is about fishing and some real stories about, you know, how he caught some of these really big fish some of the trips that he's taken, some of the the trips out, you know, side trips from uh, concerts and uh, places that he's fished. He's fished all over the place and um, really looking forward to talking to him. So I'm a little nervous. I hope I don't mess this up um, because I was fine. I was actually just fine. I had received a copy of the book. I read it from cover to cover on an airplane as I was traveling. And loved it. Took notes. Had all sorts of stuff I wanted to talk to him about. And then uh, today, I find out that the interview is going to be 15 minutes. So just before I push record on this intro, as we're waiting for this phone call, I had to pretty much come up with what I thought. I thought, okay, 15 minutes. 
I need three questions. What are the three questions that I want to ask Adrian Smith? And um, I pretty much had to ditch all my previous um, homework that I had done, ditch my whole game plan of how I thought this interview would go. Because usually, as you know, if you listen to this podcast a lot, the interviews are usually an hour, hour and a half, even two hours sometimes. And um, that in that time, it can be more of a casual conversation. This one, I'm going to have to um, really ask very specific questions and get right to the point and try to get the information that I'd like to hear uh, from Adrian out of him very, very quickly. So I don't know. I'm not very well practiced at that. I'm practiced at a two-hour interview or an hour interview. I hope that I can do uh, well <laughs> uh, on a 15-minute interview, but we'll see. So we're waiting for, uh, we're waiting for him to call us. Um, and that could happen any minute, but, uh, we do have some news that we can go over, uh, and some different things that we can go over, um, while we're waiting for the call. I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too. Um, so first thing we just, um, redid completely the Tom Roland podcast website. So you can go and check it out. Tom Roland podcast. That's T O M R O W L A N D dot our podcast com, com, and uh, check out the new site. One of the things that I didn't like about the, the old site is that, you know, with 400 episodes now, it's starting to get more difficult to find what you might be looking for as a new listener. And we're picking up new listeners all the time. The show is growing. It's continued to grow from the day we started it. And uh, it's all thanks to you guys sending, you know, sharing it with your friends, telling people about the show, um, sharing interviews that you particularly liked. That's all thanks to you. And I appreciate that very much because I've done very little to promote the show other than just trying to get good guests and having good content. And pretty much you guys have done the rest. So thank you to you. And as we pick up new listeners, Sometimes those new listeners are coming from all walks of life. We don't have, I mean, this is kind of a fishing podcast. It's a, I mean, that's, that's what I do. And we have a lot of fishermen on here, but we also have hunters. We have uh, YouTubers. We have uh, people that are making a living in the outdoors. We have uh, people that have had success and failures in all different walks of life. And the reason why I like to do that is because I feel like we can learn from all of these people. If they've had success, you can probably look at what success someone has had in any walk of life, and then you can apply it to your own life in some way, shape, or form. And if you can learn a couple of things here and there, that's great. We look to the military a lot. We've had a lot of military um, operators on here, Navy SEALs. We just had Nick Lavery on, Green Beret, um, Chris Chris Smith with the Trident Mindset, all these uh, outstanding operators, Jamie Caldwell, and each of them, you know, has, uh, has, has a mindset for success. And, uh, I like to learn from them as well as athletes and authors and all of the people. So when we get new listeners, they could be coming from anywhere. They could be coming from all walks of life and, and that's, that's great, but where do they start? And that was one of the play, one of the things that I, uh, saw as a flaw in the way that the old website was organized. It seemed like it was just really difficult to um, look through the the subjects, the guests, and find some place to start. So uh, hopefully the navigation is going to be a little bit better. Hopefully it's going to be a little cleaner. And um, 
and you can find what you're looking for. A new listener can find what they're looking for. So that's big news. Brand new website. We uh, we also have um, all kinds of stuff going on as we get ready for the 2021 season of Saltwater Experience. Uh, we filmed almost all of our shows. We're trying to film. We've had a lot of uh, things cancel because of the hurricanes um, lately. Uh, really bad weather in the Keys, so we've had some shoots scheduled and then canceled them. Uh, but we're we're pretty much ready to go. Uh, got some great shows on the way. Those will debut on Waypoint. They will be on Discovery Channel in the second quarter, and they'll be on Sportsman's Channel all year, and also Sun Sports. So if you don't have Waypoint, you might want to download the app. You can get Waypoint on any device for free. You can watch not only our shows, but everybody else's shows. Uh, all new stuff coming to Waypoint right now. There's over 70 different producers and thousands of episodes and short films and new stuff coming up all the time. There's there's a really a, a good amount of educational content coming, coming onto Waypoint. C.A. Richardson's been doing a lot of... Uh, Flats Class Universities, those are very popular over there. He does a great job of educating, um, so you can go watch that. We're putting some educational content up there. Even the podcast, the video podcast is on Waypoint, and you can see that. And as you get into Waypoint and see what it's all about, you can find out that you can see it um, You know, on Samsung+, Plus, on Tubi, Pluto, all these different channels, and uh, it's not just on demand. You can see it. Uh, live streaming all over the place. So that's uh, what's going on with the television show, with the podcast, man. We've been having some great guests, so really excited about that and um, and ready to rock and roll for 2021. If you have some guests that you think might be great or maybe you think you should be on the show, send me an email. Let's talk about your story and let's see if we can get you on the show. If you've got a great story, man, I'd like to hear it. Some of the most popular episodes that we've done have been with guides like David Cohen, um, who, you know, he he's a regular guy, man. He's a guide, but he had a dream. He wanted to become a guide. He did. A lot of people found inspiration in that. And um, so many more, so many more. It's, uh, you know, another one that's really popular is Justin Napier. Same kind of deal. He got his captain's license and started guiding, and people loved his story. They really did. Uh, just got someone reached out to me, and they found him through the podcast and went down there and had a great, uh, great trip. So I love to hear that. And uh, so maybe you're maybe you're somebody like one of those guys that has a cool story, and you wanna you wanna tell it, uh, or you think other people would gain something from it. Send me an email, podcast at saltwaterexperience.com, uh, or make another suggestion. So we're getting pretty close to the time that Adrian should be calling. Uh, we'll do a quick run through of the sponsors. You know, the sponsors are a really big part of this show because without the sponsors, I couldn't do it. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you remember that I just said that I was going to commit to doing this for a year and we would see where it went. And um, it's gone for three years now, over 400 episodes. And that is because of the help from the sponsors. Barracuda Tackle, they're they've been awesome, and um, they you know they're real easy to promote because their stuff is is fantastic. You got Hook, uh, Hook offers our our listeners a thirty percent discount. You just put in the code SE thirty at checkout, and you can get a thirty percent discount at Hook Hookgear.com. They make unbelievable fishing clothes. It's a great place to go. Empire Covers. Uh, you need a boat cover, you can go there and get a boat cover for this upcoming winter. 
Um, they make all kinds of boat covers. If you've got a whatever kind of boat you've got, you can get a cover there. They also make stuff to uh, or covers for your grill, for your RV, for your jet ski, for your car, for whatever you have. That's empirecovers.com forward slash TRP. If you enter the code TRP, you get uh, free shipping and a boat cover can be pretty heavy. So that's a big deal. You get free shipping and you get 15% off. And um, let's see, we got boat hammock stands. They've been a great sponsor of the show. And uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a great product that you use your uh, existing rod holder. You put their stand in your existing rod holder and it offers a place to tie off a hammock. And you can tie, you know, to your to your lean post or to your T-top or whatever and use just one of those. Or you can put two of those up and span the hammock across the boat. If you don't have a hammock, they sell a hammock too. If you do have a hammock, you can just buy the stands. Uh, they're rated for 350 pounds, made in the USA, stainless steel, no rust marks. That's a great product as well. So we're real lucky to have those um, sponsors. And, you know, lots of people... Uh, ask what they can do for the podcast, how they can support it. First uh, and foremost um, is to support the sponsors. Like if you need something, look to these guys first and see if if uh, if an Empire boat cover would work for you. And if it does and you buy it through the discount, that would be awesome, man. That is probably the best way you could support the show uh, is to support the sponsors that are supporting the show because that's what it's all about. Um, you know, support support any of them, all of them. They're all great. Otherwise I wouldn't be, uh, talking about them. Uh, very particular about what products that I, that I tell you guys about. And, um, this is, you know, only the best. Okay. So here we go, man, we've did this almost perfect. Um, we're waiting on this phone call and <laughs> I'm getting ready. I've got my Got my list of questions that I'm going to ask Adrian, and uh, hopefully this is going to go really smoothly. And uh, here it is. Actually, here's the phone call right now. That just worked perfectly. So here we go. Adrian, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I just had a chance to read your book. Um, it was fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. And, uh, really coming from someone oh, cool. who makes my living in fishing, I was particularly impressed with a couple yeah. of things. One, you are able to fish with all different types of tackle. I mean, from center pin to bait caster, spinning rods, fly rods, you, you really do it all. And you like to do most of it. I mean, you had a lot of stories in there about guides and stuff, but a lot of stories about you just single-handing, doing this by yourself, all while you're touring with a band. I thought that was super cool. Mm. Yeah, I've uh, been lucky enough to travel and, um, you know, visit a lot of uh, very interesting places and, and fished, <laughs> fished a lot of them, yeah. Um, I do like uh, variety of fishing, you know, um, and, and tackling di uh, different sort of disciplines, um, I love bone fishing, fly fishing, but I love fishing just locally where I live in England as well for for the for the coarse fish here as well. So yeah, I enjoy it all really. Yeah, it's the only thing I don't really like is deep sea fishing. I I, <laughs> I just get really sick out there. So do you? Well, I that a miss. the flats fishing is fantastic for that. You can get kind of the taste of it, but you don't have to get very far offshore. I enjoyed the uh, the bone fishing stories in there. You had so many stories, and I know that you're really kind of on a on a short time schedule. So I'm going to kind of 
skip over a lot of the questions that I would like to ask you. I have a tremendous amount of questions I'd like to ask. I got to admit, I'm a fan. Uh, and uh, and then reading your book about fishing makes me even more of a fan. So that's that's awesome. Oh, but cool. I just wonder for someone that leads such a such an incredible life, why you chose to spend your time writing this book on fishing. Why was that so important to you? Well, it just came about. I was always sitting around with friends talking. They suggested, you know, I was telling them stories. They suggested I write a book as one of those. So I wrote a couple of test chap chapters and um, took them to publishers and, and Penguin got interested in it and said I should, you know, go ahead and write it. And um, it just kind of flowed. I really enjoyed writing about, you know, uh, my life and going fishing with my dad when I was a kid and stopping fishing when I discovered music and then getting back into it when I joined Iron Maiden, ironically, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I've been, been very lucky. So once I started writing, I, I, it just came, you know, sort of flowed. So, um, did, did you, have I, I wrote it sort of, sorry. I, I was going to ask if you had some journals or anything that you could look back on, or if these were all these stories were just out of memory. Not really. Not really. Luckily, I've got a pretty good memory, uh, which is reasonably intact <laughs> after, you know, a few years. Um, and, you know, I have so many great, they tend to burn into my mind, uh, these fishing trips especially. Um, uh, and I do remember a lot about them. You know, the things that happen when you're a kid, when you lose that big fish, when you're a kid, you just, it's, it's like a, you never forget things like that. No. You know, and I suppose it's the old um, adage that if you can't remember it, it's probably not worth writing about, you know. <laughs> so, um, so you know, it's, it's all pretty much from memory. Of course, uh, you know, photographs as well. Um, I don't have many photographs from when I was a kid, but I certainly have a lot from the sort of 80s, 90s uh, onwards, and uh, they bring back memories, and you 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 can piece together the like. Uh, I do. There is a story about you know we have a fish called a barbel, um, which is a kind of a very strong, mysterious fish. Um, in in they look like your the suckers you have over there, mm -hmm. but they're kind of a different species, um, and they're very sought after and very revered uh, in this country. And when I was a kid about 12 or 13 a, an older guy caught one and he let me hold it for a picture but i always felt a slight fraud because i didn't catch the fish so that was one of my missions when i was uh i had some time after touring i wanted to catch a, a barbel you know mm -hmm. and uh so that the story of that's in there so that the the old picture was in black and white and then i caught the, my own barbel and it was in color and the story you know it's a story of the one to the other and the stuff that happened in between, you know. Right. Yeah. I, I remember that story from the book. One of the things uh, that I also remember is I don't know a tremendous amount about uh, carp fishing, um, but right. I am a, a fishing kind of historian. I like to I like to look at the record books. I like to kind of read about all different types of fishing. And you would. Yeah. I know enough about it to know that there was a, a gentleman named Richard Walker. You refer to him as Dick Walker in your book. He caught a 44 pound yeah. common carp, which was a really significant record. And then in one of your stories, yeah. you go and you and your brother tie that record. And that made me kind of wonder, 
you know, that's that's pretty significant. But in in your opinion, of all the stories that you talked about and wrote about in your book, and maybe some that didn't even make it, what do you think your your most proud angling accomplishment might be? Oh, um, can I just say, as, as this is an American um, fishing podcast, I think it's important that uh, when people, I know when Americans, we talk about carp to Americans, they don't, really don't get it. And I kind of understand that because it's a very different, it's almost like a different fish here. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's, you know, physiologically the same, um, it's habitat and it's very different here. I mean, there was not so many, they weren't so widespread as they are in America. I didn't realize that until I went to America. They're very, very widespread. They overpopulate waters uh, and they're very greedy and they're very easy to catch in America. In England, there's not so many of them and they can be very, very wary. They get very big. They inhabit very sort of uh, inhospitable waters, very snaggy waters, and they're very they're difficult to catch. And especially back in the 50s and 60s, there was nowhere near as many carp as there are today. So that's the reason why carp are more revered in England than they are in mm-hmm. the States. And they, I just, I've just come to that realization that it's important. As far as ang- English in, uh, angling achievement is... Uh, I don't know if there's a single single thing. I, I I know some things that I I would like to do, and that is a, a double digit bonefish, definitely. Okay, I know a place um, you can do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know they have big ones in the Keys, but they're probably pretty rare. I mean, well, the the Keys for so long the, were the place where all the um, almost all the records came from. The Keys and Bimini. Um, we had a tremendous yeah. number of, of really big fish in downtown Isla Mirada, but they're, they're coming back. We, we lost a lot of them in a cold front, um, but, but they're coming back and we're starting to see more and more, uh, big bone fish. What about tarpon? Have you fished for tarpon? Uh, no, for some reason it, that, that doesn't, um, tarpon is, is like a, it's like a team operation, isn't it? Yeah, you know, very much so. I, I like. The thing I like about bone fishing is very solitary, and you're it's really is you against um, the elements and the fish, and and uh, it can be quite challenging. Uh, tarpon is just like I don't I don't know if I like to play a fish for an hour. You know, <laughs> well, you don't I'll have to catch the biggest tired one before the fish does. Yeah, well, that Sorry? happens a lot. That happens a lot. You don't have to always fish for the biggest one. We have juvenile tarpon that it can be anywhere from five to fifty pounds, and and that can be uh, as long as a bonefish fight, but they're they're a good fish. I think you'd enjoy it. I've caught smaller ones on the fly, yeah, and um, I've caught them in um, Puerto Rico actually. Well, I caught one in Puerto Rico in the lagoon there, mm-hmm. uh, fishing with a guide on the light bay, and that was about probably fifteen or twenty pounds. But yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, as, uh, as you continue to travel, are there some fish that you would, you would like to, to catch in the future that you haven't had an exposure to yet? Well, I really enjoyed the, the, the peacock bass fishing down in, um, in Florida, actually Miami and the canals. I, I love doing that. Now that can be quite challenging as well. Uh, I wrote a bit about that in the, in the book. There's a chapter, a whole chapter on Miami. Yeah, because that's where we rehearse for our upcoming American tours. So I always take my rods with me down there because I know there's going to be some 
good uh, fishing opportunities. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, the peacock bass. I mean, they don't get very big in um, in the canals, but I, I know they get big in South America. So that's something I'd like to try one one day. Take a houseboat up the Amazon and uh, try and find some big peacocks. Yeah, that uh, that's a trip on my list as well. I haven't done that, but uh, yeah. certainly like to. Well, if you get back to Florida and you want to do some peacock bass fishing, I've certainly got some friends that have that dialed in. I'd love to meet you and fish with you one day. Um, that would be fantastic. Yeah. We could do the the peacock bass, and then maybe we could slide down and catch some bonefish in the in the keys as well. But uh, I just really like this book uh, very much because the way that you did it. I mean, I would say a good seventy to eighty percent of the of the book is fishing related stories, but then you kind of just add little tidbits about the band and how you got uh, started in the band and how the touring was was going and and then the kind of a it seemed like kind of the balance that fishing was offering you uh to this really um quite different lifestyle of being in in one of the biggest rock bands the world's ever seen um do you think about that balance uh, it seems like you reflect on that a good bit in your book uh, what fishing was offering you like a quiet riverbank as opposed to a coliseum full of uh, Iron Maiden fans. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the more I wrote and the more I, I read it back, I realized how, you know, important fishing is to me and it's important to have that balance, especially when you go through, you know, rough times mentally. I think fishing is so good for your head. It, like, like I say in the book, there's a, fishing's like meditation, but with a punchline, you know. In other words, I mean, I can sit by a river, uh, a lake, or I can wait flats all day and I'm, I only think about fishing that you know you don't think about anything else it really it really uh washes your mind you know and gets you ready to face you know the real world and what you've got to uh, you know your work and stuff and you know obviously being in the band especially in the 80s was you know quite a high pressure uh, environment so i really found uh, increasingly that the fishing was a great way to to balance myself out you know and uh, like I say, the more I wrote in the book, the more more of that became, you know, obvious. Yeah. Do you think that you would have had the longevity um, in the rock and roll rock, rock and roll world if if it wasn't for fishing? Now that you're reflecting on it like this. Um. Oh, I don't know. Um, it's a good question. I certainly it's brought me a lot of pleasure and a lot of happiness, a lot of satisfaction. It's got so many benefits. I, I can't think of any negative benefits, although sometimes you can, it can get a little obsessive. But I suppose <laughs> that's like anything that gives you a buzz, like alcohol or you know golf. Some guys go off the deep end of golf. You know, um, you can get a bit obsessive. Sometimes you have to rein yourself in a bit because uh, you, you know, and it's such an adrenaline rush as well. People don't realise that how much it is when when you're especially something like bone fishing you know when you're closing in on a on a fish and you're trying to get in the right position to cast and the fish is moving it takes a hell sometimes but you're really pumped up you know uh people think you just sit there dangling a worm which we can if you want i mean that's fine too but there's so many uh there's so many different ways to, to fish there's so many places so many different environments i mean you know it's uh infinite variety really 
Yeah. So of all those places, we'll draw this to a close. I know you have some place to be. Uh, of all the places, of all the species, of all the types of tackle that we've discussed, if you had one that you could do for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, good question. Good question. Oh, well, there's no place like home. I love the English countryside. Uh, I love small rivers, just walking, taking one rod, maybe a box of worms, a little bread, uh, and just, just walking the length of the river on a on a winter's day, you know, when it's not too cold, but overcast, good conditions, a little bit of extra water in the river. I mean, I could do that for the rest of my life probably quite happily. Nice. We, we fish for... Uh, there's another fish here, the silverfish, which goes up to five or six pounds, called a chub, which is which is good fun. They're very uh, aggressive and hard fighting, chub and barbel. So I could probably do that if I had to. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's it's funny because uh, with with the world at your at your disposal, traveling with the band, you can pretty much fish anywhere you want to, and so often people that have done a lot of fishing kind of revert back to the simplest form. Uh, for me, it would be, you know, crickets in a John boat with my dad fishing for a bluegill, uh, in Tennessee. That yeah. that's the simplest kind of thing. Yeah. And there's a soft, it always has a soft spot in your heart for that simple type of fishing. Um, but you know, you have the bonefish or the tarpon or the permit that, uh, really makes your knees wobble and it's kind of a different, adrenaline experience so you have one on the yeah, one side it's more of, yeah more of like a physical challenge i mean catching those things and sturgeon you know we went out and fished for sturgeon on the fraser in, in canada and that was like a a battle of strength you know with, yeah. with this monstrous fish <laughs> yeah it's like uh, i write about it in the book you know it was on a the day after a, uh, a show we did in, in Vancouver, and I, I planned this trip, met the guy, went out in a jet boat and everything, and fished for these sturgeon, and they literally pull your arms off, you know, <laughs> heaving those things in. Yeah. To the I, point where I was, I had a show the next night, and I thought, am I going to be out of play? My, you know, my arms are killing me, you know. <laughs> but, I, you know, of course I did. Yeah. But that's like a, you know, that's like a, a physical team job I'm, like I said, I'm not sure I enjoy catching giant giant fish I mean big fish yeah but uh, there's so much more to fishing than just catching the fish so you know it, it just everything just when you 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 know you load up your car uh, as the day's breaking you put your fishing tackle in your car and you're driving off somewhere you're thinking of your anticipation the, the anticipation is a, such a major part of it uh, and you can you know, you can sort of tune into to that when you're not fishing, you know. Like I, I start the book, I'm in a, a police escort on the way to, to a, a show in Mexico City and it's total chaos. There's crashes everywhere. There's people shouting. And I'm on my way to a show and I'm just put the seat back, close my eyes and pretend I'm fishing, you know. Yeah. And that's a great thing about fishing. You know, you can switch off and just meditate. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's uh, that that was great. I love that part of of the book, the way that it started, and I, I just like the way that you kind of segued between fishing and 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 your other life, which just seems to be so different. And you you said at one point in the book that your your friends didn't quite understand fishing, and maybe since you had written this book, maybe they would now. 
Um, have you had anyone? Well, you give know you what? A, a lot of people have said to me. A lot of people who don't fish have said that they've read it, you know, and uh, they've enjoyed it. Um, maybe they won't become fishermen, but they can appreciate, you know, why I go. I tried to get that across because I was aware that a lot of people who don't go fishing will probably check it out because of the band, you know. And I wanted them to get an insight into it rather than just saying, I caught this and I caught that and I'm great, you know. Just so, you know, try to, try to, uh, a little bit of background of why I do it and why it's important to me, you know. So, uh, and I've, uh, hopefully that, that comes across. And from the feedback I've had, you know, on the other hand, I do say there are some, you know, hardcore chapters where it's just about fishing because I, I thought that was important to include for, you know, I say guys, you know, people who are, you know, into the fishing, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's really cool because you, you, Tom, yes, I'm going to have to ask the wrap. Okay. No problem. Adrian, if you find yourself with more time, I would love to have you back on the podcast and, and ask way more questions and get into uh, your story more, but thank you so much for your time. The book is called monsters of river and rock. My life as iron maidens, compulsive angler by Adrian Smith. Thank you very much. I'm sure we'll have everybody go check that out. Uh, Hopefully we can do this again someday. Yeah, I'd like to. Um, thanks for having me on, and maybe we can do a part two or something. I'd love it. Anytime you've got time, you're welcome. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank Cheers. you, Adrian. Bye. Bye. <laughs> wow, man. That was really cool talking to Adrian Smith. I, I mean, obviously, he could have talked fishing all day. The guy loves fishing. And um, he mentioned that maybe we could do a part two, so we're going to – we're going to definitely try to do that. I'm going to work on scheduling that right now. If you want to check out this book, it's available everywhere. Monsters of River and Rock, My Life as Iron Maiden's Compulsive Angler by Adrian Smith of Iron Maiden. That is is awesome. And I've read the book cover to cover, and it's, it's a great book. It's a great book if you're a fisherman. It's a great book if you're a fan of the band. It's a great book if, uh, if you just are aware of the band and think that it might be cool to that one of them or, you know, more than one of them had a, a life outside of being a rock star. And, uh, that was super cool, man. I just wish we had had more time Man, I had so many other things I wanted to ask him. Uh, but there might be a part two. All right. So if you like this, share it with a friend and uh, rate and review it on iTunes, uh, support our sponsors. That is the best way that you can promote the podcast. That is fantastic. Promote all of our sponsors. That would be great. Promote them by buying something from them. That's the way it works. All right. So that's it for today. And we will be back next week with another awesome guest. Thanks. See ya.